Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Here on this day, this auspicious day, the 25th of March, the United States Senate is supposed to be in the process of passing a $2 trillion bipartisan package. To quote Republican leader, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky, he said, quote, Today the Senate will act to help the people of this country weather this storm. This is not even a stimulus package. It is emergency relief, end quote. Two trillion dollars. Again, this started much more modest level of spending. There, of course, was that package which I have referred to previously that was $8 billion, I believe. And then there was talk about this larger package that would be $250 billion, $500 billion, $800 billion, $850 billion. Now, and I referred to it as being just shy of a trillion, now it is two trillion. So you might be thinking, well, this is going to include a great deal more for individuals as far as the amounts that would be sent to individuals. Not so. Not noticeable as compared to the $850 billion package. It's not noticeable. No, the money is going other places. Chucky Schumer, who is the minority leader in the Senate, he is the Senate Democrat leader from the great state of New York. He said that his party was willing to pass the bill as quickly as possible. And this despite the fact that the Democrat governor of that great state of New York, he said that this package, this bill, this legislation is going to be terrible for New York. So a rather interesting contrast there between the senior senator from New York, and the governor from New York, both of the same party, which totally controls New York. Well, there have been some complaints, like those of Governor Cuomo. There have been some complaints about this bill. What is this bill providing? It's not providing enough in the way of unemployment benefits and so forth. Now, I mentioned before, with regard to the amounts that it was discussed would be provided by way of checks sent to the American taxpayers and non-taxpayers and what have you. It all began, the snowball began rolling down the hill with former presidential candidate Mitt Marriott Romney suggesting that payments of $1,000 should be sent to all adult Americans. And then we can get into questions of what is adult And what is American? Is this only for citizens? Is this for everybody that's managed to make it into this country? (laughs) And who are being, you know, cared for in the sanctuary states and cities across this nation 
and who are granted rights that American citizens are not granted. But is it including them? Well, whose vision shall reign supreme over this land? Obviously, clearly, unmistakably, for a very, very, very long time, not God's vision. But, you know, among the secular humanist leaders, whose vision shall prevail? Among the socialists, the socialists who are just mainstream Democrats as compared to the socialist Marxists, socialist communists, and so forth, whose vision shall prevail? Well, the amount to be sent to Americans, it was discussed and it was negotiated and it was changed, it was altered. At one point, they were talking about payments of $1,000 more than one time. Two payments of $1,000 per person. Well, this package, not that. No. No $1,200 payment one time. Even though the amount of the legislation of this emergency relief has increased more than twofold, closer to two and a half fold, the amount to be sent to American adults, taxpayers, non taxpayers, whatever, has not increased. One payment of $1,200, last I saw. Curiously enough. <laughs> Now, Bernie Sanders, socialist, activist, Bernie Alinsky Sanders, Bernie, he opined that the amount that should be sent to Americans should be $2,000 per month, more or less indefinitely. So, if you compare a one-time payment of $1,200 to $2,000 per month for all, let's just say, a year. We're contrasting $1,200 to $24,000, so it is only 5% of what the great man, the presidential candidate, Bernie Alinsky Sanders, suggested and stated should be the correct amount. Meanwhile, This great nation rolls along. Yes. Well, there's a 500 billion, that is one half trillion loan program for businesses. Not necessarily a bad thing. What kind of shape is the nation going to be in if the businesses collapse? Probably not very good. And then there are many other exciting, exciting expenditures. Loans to small businesses amounting to $367 billion, one-third of a trillion, and so forth. But, oh well. I might add, in addition to those one-time $1,200 checks for adults that are making less than $75,001. There is also the matter of $500 payments to cover every child in every household that qualifies. So there is that. But, What else is going on in this great nation? That is going to pass, okay? Regardless what Cuomo, governor of New York, great governor of that great state, of that great party, the Democrat Party, happens to say, it will pass. For the simple reason, if for no other reason, not just because of the masterful leadership of Mitch McConnell, no. It will pass because the plain, simple fact is there's no way 
that there will be enough politicians who will risk their political lives by voting against it or obstructing it. No way. It is passing today. But as I speak, if it hasn't already passed, right now it is 7.30 Eastern time. It probably already has passed. Probably already has been confirmed. But meanwhile, back to the great state of New York, the great city of New York City in the Empire State, as in an empire like the Babylonian Chaldaic Empire, followed by the empire of the Medes and Persians, which swallowed up the empire of the Babylonians. And then to be overtaken, overthrown by the Grecian, Macedonian Grecian Empire, which then morphed into that great Roman Empire. Yes. But here we have the Empire State. (laughs) You could say the Empire City. And interesting statements coming forth from New York City. From one doctor, he said, quote, to think that we're in New York City and this is happening. It's like a third world country type of scenario. It's mind blowing, end quote. That's a doctor. A doctor reacting to the state of events there, the state of the hospitals the state of preparedness, the deficiencies in the hospital systems there in New York City. He likens it to a third world nation. When you consider, when you stop and consider, forgetting all of the terrible violence, the inhumanity, the wickedness, that still is associated with New York City as it is associated with every major metropolitan area in this nation. And which is associated with the major metropolitan centers around the world. This city, some would question what I'm going to say now. They would say, oh, no. Not New York City. There are other cities much greater. But this city, New York City, has been viewed throughout the 20th century and the first fifth of the 21st century by most reasonable people and unreasonable people and what have you, people in the free world, so-called, has been viewed as the number one city, as the most important city, as the most pivotal city, as the most advanced city. Oh, yes, you can talk about Oslo, how advanced it is, or how advanced Tokyo is, or how advanced Dubai is, and the list goes on. Hong Kong, Shanghai, and what have you. Moscow has some spectacular beauty, as does Paris, as does Rome. Athens does too. But to most people, New York City is associated with leadership in this world, more so than Washington, D.C., more so than Los Angeles. Again, depending on what country people are from, they may say, oh, no, not New York City. No, no, Rio, Rio de Janeiro, or Buenos Aires, or what have you. But when he likens New York City, the current, situation in New York City, in the hospitals of New York City, 
to being akin to a third world nation that is spellbinding. Absolutely shocking. But to paraphrase or quote Anthony Fauci from a few weeks ago now, at least a couple weeks ago, but I believe a few weeks ago, he said that the coronavirus, COVID-19, outbreak, epidemic, I don't think he used the term pandemic, that it had not peaked in the United States of America. Duh. So the question is, has it peaked in New York City yet? Probably not. And yet, there is this kind of state of (laughs) panic. There was this statement, I'm guessing from the same doctor, quote, we ended up getting our first positive patients, that is, those who tested positive for COVID-19. We ended up getting our first positive patients, and that's when all hell broke loose, end quote. So when he says positive patients, he's not talking about people with positive Attitude, you know, positive thinking people. No, very badly worded by this doctor, you know. But the first patients that tested positive for coronavirus, COVID-19, as being infected with that. And what happened? Did the hospitals calmly, coolly deal with this? All hell broke loose. Now, You know, is that an accurate assessment? Probably not. But suffice to say, things did not go smoothly. Meanwhile, across, I will say the pond, just for poetic license here, but no, just across from New York City in New Jersey, that great state, commuter hub for New York City that feeds New York City. New Jersey's not the only one. Connecticut is too. And the mainland of New York State, as well as Long Island, they all serve this great purpose. And there are people that are reasonably well off that commute from Boston regularly or from Philadelphia and so forth. But I digress. Here we have, in the great state of New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey. Phil Murphy, he has stated that New Jersey's hospital system is on the verge of collapse. It is virtually crippled under the strain of this glut of COVID-19 coronavirus infected people, patients. Extraordinary, really. Well, Phil and other state health officials, he's not officially a health official, but he's the big kahuna, right? But state health officials in the great state of New Jersey, they are considering the following to address this extraordinary challenge to the hospital systems. Reopening closed hospitals. Using medical wards, nursing homes, and college dormitories to increase the number of beds available for hospital care. Meanwhile, they are working in coordination with the United States Army Corps of Engineers in order to do what? To build a bridge? No. 
not to build a bridge to the 22nd century, but to set up three, count them three, field hospitals across the state. Now, when I hear the term field hospitals, what comes to mind for me is military facilities. Whether during the uncivil war between the states or whether it is often Vietnam or in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever it should be. That's what I think of when I hear the term field hospital. Maybe I am alone in thinking that. But that's what it triggers to mind for me. But these are going to be located in northern New Jersey in the Meadowlands, in Secaucus. When I hear the Meadowlands, I... I think that they're talking about the facility that is used by the New York Giants football team and whoever all else uses it. Do the New York Jets use it too? I believe so. But anyway. And then in central New Jersey, the New Jersey Convention and Exposition Center, which is in Edison, New Jersey named after the great inventor, Thomas Edison. No relation that I'm aware of. And in southern New Jersey, the Atlantic City Convention Center in Atlantic City, which I associate with the president, the incumbent, but because of his former activities there. But. Extraordinary. Three field hospitals being put together, thrown together, overseen by the United States Army Corps of Engineers. Meanwhile, truly growing, (laughs) growing, going, moving, heading over across the pond, beyond the UK, over into the European Union, and then dropping down south of France and east of Portugal, we have Spain. Espanolish, Spain, which now is number two in the world among nations having the highest number of fatalities attributed to COVID-19, outbreak, pandemic, what have you. Spain is number two. This only after Italy. How do you like them apples, huh? China has been surpassed not only by Italy, but now by Spain for fatalities. Extraordinary. Spain experienced a spike overnight of 738 deaths. Now has suffered at last count. And this this information is, you know, whatever it is. It's a 12 hours old or something. Just shy of three and a half thousand deaths. Meanwhile, Italy was closing in on 7,000. Nearly twice. (laughs) Or just slightly more than half is where Spain is in relation to Italy. Just, just extraordinary. So Spain, and the way this has gone, in terms of the rapidity of the spread, the multiplication, if you will, if Spain is now just past half the number of fatalities in relation to Italy, It probably will be surpassing Italy sometime very soon. 
like in the next week or so. But terrible. Along the Mediterranean Sea, Italy and now Spain and France in between. Extraordinary and terrible. But China has had more people infected, but not as many killed. Now, let me throw something out there that is just, you know, it's something that has occurred to me, and it's, I'm not saying there is any merit to it, but is it possible? Is it possible? And it is. Is it possible that this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic was deliberately caused? Is it possible? I'm not talking about it being limited to being caused by one nation's regime, like that of communist China. No. I'm talking about instead it being a mechanism used by the great world planners who have been working desperately to bring about a one-world regime. They have used the global climate change, global warming, as their number one mechanism, triggering mechanism for this. Without great success thus far, thanks to, among others, I mean, despite <laughs> despite what he is, <laughs> nonetheless, the incumbent president has stood firm against that, unlike his predecessor, and unlike the vice president of his predecessor, who is the de facto Democrat nominee for president at this time. Yes, Bernie Sanders is still in the picture. Yes, but. But again, this matter of using global climate change, global warming as the triggering mechanism to require all nations to throw in the towel on national government on national governance, on sovereignty, national sovereignty, and to join together in one massive coalition to fight the dreaded global climate change, global warming, and what have Prior to that, of course, it was a matter of worldwide starvation, worldwide overpopulation, and so forth. But is it possible that this pandemic was actually engineered, was actually initiated with that in mind, with that intention, instead of accidentally, stupidly, ignorantly, outrageously, disgracefully coming about. I'm not saying that that's what took place, that it was, you know, engineered this way. But it certainly is a possibility. That being said, moving on from the particulars of the Mediterranean, of Italy and Spain, which are suffering badly from this pandemic. The Pentagon, the United States Pentagon, the pinnacle of power, not of political power, but military power, if you will. Defense Secretary Mark Esper, handsome, dashing, figure, he has issued an order for the United States military 
to halt all travel and movement abroad for up to two months. This, in order to limit, to restrain the spread of the coronavirus through the ranks of the United States military. However, even though this will apply to all United States forces, all civilian personnel and families that work with the military, nonetheless, there will be exceptions. Yes. Quote, quoting the great man, the purpose is to make sure that we're not bringing the virus back home, infecting others that we're not spreading it around the military, unquote. And on that note, how about this? Following a deployment to the Middle East, which lasted nine months, three quarters of a year, MPs who are from the Show Me States National Guard They came into Fort Bliss, that blissful, blissful military base, Fort Bliss, Texas. They arrived on March 6th, there to demobilize, thereafter to go home. They arrived... They moved about the base, this massive military facility, for a week and a half. And then just on the cusp of flying home, they were ordered to enter into quarantine. Coronavirus quarantine. Talk about military efficiency, right? Well, it didn't just happen that way at Fort Bliss. No. Another National Guard unit also following deployment abroad. It arrived and it entered into quarantine at Fort Hood, Texas. Perhaps you remember Fort Hood where an Islamist terrorist U.S. Army psychiatrist slaughtered so very many service members. But Fort Hood, strangely enough, even though they entered into quarantine, they do quarantine maybe a little bit differently than you would think, especially given that it's the military. But troops who were not under quarantine served up meals to those who were under quarantine at very close quarters. Well, how's one to go about that anyway? But still, it would seem like maybe that that quarantine would have holes in it, you know? But, oh well. Now, of course, (laughs) leave it to the great secretary of the military to proclaim this order preventing troops and civilians in employment of the military from moving about around the world for approximately the next two months. Before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me, that's due to me, that's my fault. I mentioned before 
that while I decried the intellectual dishonesty involved in failing to call this pandemic a pandemic, irrespective of the virulence, irrespective of the numbers of fatalities, the percentages, it still met the criteria for pandemic in spades. And yet, the World Health Organization and so forth, they refused to refer to it as a pandemic because they did not want to cause panic. They did not want to upset people. They didn't want to rile them up. They didn't want to such and such, right? Well, I mentioned that I am less than on board (laughs) with the lockdowns and all of this, the reaction that there has been. It's one thing to inform people of what is going on. I think it's quite another thing to strip them of freedom. It's one thing in a communist regime or a fascist regime, a totalitarian regime. It's another in free nations, or it should be. I mentioned that I disagreed with the standards, the double standards, triple standards, hypocrisy, the different rules for different people, just as with this latest ruling issued by the Secretary of Defense in which there will be exceptions. This idea that one minute people are being told that gatherings of people will be limited to 1,000 or fewer. And then in a heartbeat, it changes from that to 500 and then to 250, then to 100 and then to 10. Just extraordinary. I mean, it went all the way from 1,000 to 10 or fewer in a day's time, despite (laughs) lagging the recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control. I just zoomed past that (laughs) and left them in the wake. But 10 or fewer needed to go into lockdown. And the great governor of New York and and all the others, how they have reacted. I can understand their fears. I can understand their (laughs) panic-stricken concerns. I can. I absolutely can. I can understand various different leaders thinking that that's what they need to do, that this is a situation that calls for this. This dire situation calls for these dire efforts. But, as I mentioned before, how is it that corporate giants like Amazon can continue with business as usual, but actually business beyond usual. More profitable than ever. Booming, booming, booming. Hiring 100,000 people. Not just Amazon, but Amazon and others. While other people are losing their jobs. (laughs) Being laid off and so forth. But how can you justify that while you say churches cannot hold services? How? How is there any intellectual honesty, fairness, justness to that? How is there? Really? You know? I mean, what is the maximum number of people that can get together and chat at the White House? Oh, but that's different. Or at the Pentagon. 
or at CIA headquarters or wherever. Well, when it comes to church services, there are church services and church services. And in a great irony, a tremendous irony, the church, the Christian church, shutting it down in the interest of slowing down and stopping the spread of contagion is so wrong-minded and spirited. Yes, there's that cult, that terrible antichrist cult in South Korea consisting of more than 200,000 people led by its absolutely damnable antichrist founder. But the idea that people should be prevented from gathering to worship God, to worship Jesus Christ, to pray, whether they believe in supernatural healing or not, you know, whether they believe the Bible or not, that they should be prevented from gathering and worshiping and praying in order to purportedly slow, prevent, stop contagion is preposterous. It's one thing if you're talking about people going to football games and baseball games and basketball games and hockey games on the Lord's Day. But to stop worship services, to shutter churches, it is the opposite of what should be done. If we go back in time, back to 1905, 1900, Back before that, back into the 1800s and into the 1700s and so forth. At times when there were the greatest crises on the earth in the form of terrible devastation wrought by earthquakes, fires, disease, what have you. The church was a stronghold and a bastion against these things. It was a healing place. It was, it was on the forefront of the battle against these things. But here in the United States of America, under the enlightened leadership of the likes of living large Donald Trump Sr., and around the world under the leadership of the likes of living large Boris Johnson of the UK, shut down the churches. <laughs> it is just, it is bizarre and absurd and obscene. But speaking of the UK, the royal family is not immune. Prince Charles is being treated for coronavirus, he is at home. Quote, he has been displaying mild symptoms, but otherwise remains in good health. He has a bad cough, but he's trim, he's fit. What have you? Only problem is his back. Bad back he has, and that's because of several polo falls. Several falls from polo ponies. Now, I don't know about you, but my injuries <laughs> and my physical deterioration is not linked to something as glamorous and as fun-filled and as 
Oh, what is the proper term? Uh, but as rich a pastime as polo. No. But extraordinary. Yes, it has touched the royal family. Speaking of touching, copper, copper destroys viruses and bacteria. That's right. The worst of the worst. These superbugs, these terrible, flesh-destroying bacteria, copper destroys them. It does not live on copper. None of these things do. They die. And as a result of copper destroying them, they are not able to then develop resistance. <laughs> but whereas copper at one time was used to a significant degree in places like hospitals, it has been replaced long ago by stainless steel, plastics, and other things, cheaper Substances, substances upon which these viruses can live for days and be transmitted hither and thither. We in our extremely enlightened, progressive world. It's amazing how many stupendously stupid things are done. But one man worthy of mention, he stated the following, if I can find the quote again, (laughs) I don't know what I did with it, but I thought it was such an interesting statement that he He blamed this on, among other things, arrogance. He said, quote, what happened is our own arrogance and our love of plastic and other materials took over. We moved away from copper beds, copper railings, and copper doorknobs to stainless steel, plastic, and aluminum. Michael Schmidt, professor of microbiology and immunology at the Medical University of South Carolina, said that. And he attributes it to our arrogance and our love of plastic and other materials. And also cheapness, lack of foresight, ignorance, Ignorance and stupidity, because it was known long ago that copper could fight viruses and bacteria. Long ago. (laughs) Going back as far as two and a half thousand B.C. (laughs) But. Oh, well. Meanwhile, on the presidential race front, I'm sure you're aware that Tulsi Gabbard, the last woman officially in the Democrat presidential race, she closed up her campaign and she threw her support, her endorsement to Joe Biden. Tulsi Gabbard. I'm not fond of Tulsi, but compared to Liz Warren and Amy Klobuchar and Kamala Harris and Stacey from Georgia, I, I prefer Tulsi. But meanwhile, 
a group, a gaggle, if you will, of female Democrat Party political activists, fire-breathing activists, they gathered and they put together a list of demands for whomever would become the nominee of the Democrat Party for president. They put together a list of demands, not requests, not suggestions, but demands. Among these, that he would select a female running mate, vice presidential nominee, what have you. That women would comprise the governing majority of his Democrat administration. That economic issues would be priority number one in the first 100 days. You know, going back to FDR and so forth in the first 100 days. And that the president's appointments, that they would reflect the diversity, the diversity of our community. Again, these were not suggestions. These were not recommendations. These were demands that would be made of whomever the nominee would be. This was put together following, mere hours following, Liz Warren officially ending suspending, closing down her campaign to be the Democrat presidential nominee. But Joe Biden, the pandering demagogue that he is, the Democrat hack that he is, he fell right in line and announced that he would select a female candidate for VP, and he would nominate an African-American woman to the Supreme Court. Rah, rah, Joe. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.